Chapter 86 The Tale Other poets have warbled the praises of the soft eye of the antelope and the lovely plumage of the bird that never alights. Less celestial, I celebrate a tale. Now, reckoning the largest size sperm whale's tail to begin at the point of the trunk where it tapers to about the girth of a man, it comprises upon its upper surface alone an area of at least 50 square feet. The compact round body of its root expands into two broad, firm, flat palms or flukes, gradually shoaling away to less than an inch in thickness. At the crotch or junction, these flukes slightly overlap, then sideways recede from each other like wings, leaving a wide vacancy between. In no living thing are the lines of beauty more exquisitely defined than in the crescentic borders of these flukes. At the utmost expansion in the full-grown whale, the tail will considerably exceed 20 feet across. The entire member seems a dense, webbed bed of welded sinews. But cut into it, and you find that uh, three distinct strata compose it, upper, middle, and lower. The fiber in the upper and lower layers are long and horizontal, those of the middle one very short and running crosswise between the outside layers. This uh, triune structure, as much as anything else, imparts power to the tail. To the student of the old Roman walls, uh, the middle layer will furnish a curious parallel to the thin course of tiles, always alternating with the stone in those wonderful relics of the antique, and which undoubtedly contribute so much to the great strength of the masonry. But, as if this vast uh, local power and the tendinous tail were not enough, the whole bulk of the Leviathan is knit over with a warp and woof of muscular fibers and filaments, which, passing on either side of the loins and, and rushing down into their... Uh, into the flukes insensibly blend with them and largely contribute to their might, so that in the tail, the confluent measureless force of the whole whale seems concentrated to a point. Could annihilation occur to matter, this was the thing to do it. <laughs> Nor does this, its, its amazing strength at all, tend to cripple the graceful flexion of its motions, where uh, infantileness, infantileness of ease undulates through a titanism of power. On the contrary, those motions derive their most appalling beauty from it. Real strength never impairs beauty or harmony, but it often bestows it, and in everything imposingly beautiful, strength has much to do with the magic. Take away the tied tendons that all over seem bursting from the marble and the carved Hercules, and its charm would be gone, as devout Eckerman lifted the linen sheet from the naked corpse of Goethe. He was overwhelmed with the massive chest of that man that seemed as a Roman triumphal arch. When Angelo paints... Even God the Father in human form. Mark what robustness is there. And whatever they may reveal of the divine love in the sun, the soft, curled, hermaphroditical Italian pictures in which his idea has been most successfully embodied, these pictures, so destitute as they are of all brawniness, hint nothing of any power but the mere negative feminine one of submission and endurance, which on all hands it is conceded form the pra peculiar practical virtues of his teachings. Such is the subtle elasticity of the organ I treat of that, whether wielded in sport or in earnest or in anger, whatever be the mood it be in, its flexions are invariably marked by exceeding grace. Therein no fairy's arm can transcend it. Five great motions are peculiar to it. First, when used as a fin for progression. 
Second, when used as a mace in battle. Third, in sweeping. Fourth, in lobtailing. Fifth, in peaking flukes. First, uh, being horizontal in its position, the leviathan's tail acts in a different manner from the tails of all other sea creatures. It never wriggles. In uh, man or fish, wriggling is a sign of inferiority. Huh? <laughs> to the whale, his tail is the sole means of propulsion. Scroll-wise, coiled forward beneath the body and then rapidly springing backward. It is this which gives that singular uh, darting, leaping motion to the monster when furiously swimming. His side fins only serve to uh, steer by. Second, it is a little significant that while one sperm whale fights another sperm whale only with his head and jaw, nevertheless, in his conflicts with man, he chiefly and contemptuously uses his tail. In striking at a boat, he swiftly curves away his flukes from it, and the blow is inflicted only by the recoil. If it be made in the unobstructed air, especially if it uh, descend to its mark, the stroke is then simply irresistible. No ribs of man or boat can withstand it. Your only salvation lies in eluding it. But if it comes sideways through the opposing water, then partly owing to the light buoyancy of the whale boat and the elasticity of its materials, a cracked rib or a dashed plank or two, a sort of stitch in the side, is generally the most serious result. These submerged side blows are so often received in the fishery that they are accounted mere child's play. Someone strips off a frock and the hole is stopped. Third, I cannot demonstrate it, but it seems to me that uh, in the whale the sense of touch is concentrated in the tail. For in this respect there is a delicacy in it, equaled only by the daintiness of, a, of an elephant's trunk. This delicacy is chiefly evinced in the action of sweeping, when in maidenly gentleness the whale, with a certain slow, soft slowness, moves his immense flukes from side to side upon the surface of the sea, and if he feel but a sailor's whisker, oh, woe to that sailor, whiskers and all, what tenderness there is in that preliminary touch. Had this tail any prehensile power, I should straightway bethink me of Darmonides' elephant that so frequented the, the flower market, and with low salutations presented nosegays to damsels, and then caressed their zones. On more accounts than one, a pity it is that the whale does not possess this prehensile virtue in his tail, for I have heard of yet another elephant, and uh, that when wounded in the fight, curved round his trunk and extracted the dart. Fourth, Stealing unawares upon the whale in the fancied security of the middle of solitary seas, you will find him unbent from the vast corpulence of his dignity, and kitten-like he, he plays on the ocean as if it were a hearth. But still you see his power and his play. The broad palms of his tail are flirted high into the air. Then, smiting the surface, the thunderous concussion resounds for miles. You'd almost think a great gun had been discharged. And if you noticed the light wreath of uh, vapor from the spiracle at his other extremity, you'd think that, that that was the smoke from the touch hole. Fifth, as in the ordinary floating posture of the Leviathan, the flukes lie considerably below the level of his back. They're then completely out of sight beneath the surface. But when he is about to plunge into the deeps, his entire flukes, with at least 30 feet of his body, are tossed erect in the air, and so remain vibrating a moment till they downward shoot out of view, accepting the sublime breach, somewhere else to be described. This peaking of the whale's flukes is perhaps the grandest sight to be seen in all animated nature. 
Out of the bottomless profundities, the gigantic tail seems spasmodically snatching at the highest heaven. So in dreams have I seen majestic Satan thrusting forth his tormented colossal claw from the flame Baltic of hell. But in gazing at such scenes, it is all in all what mood you're in. If, if in the Dantean, the devils will occur to you, if, if in that of Isaiah, the, the archangels. Standing at the masthead of my ship during a sunrise, that crimson sky and sea, I once saw a large herd of whales in the east, all heading toward the sun, and for a moment vibrating in concert with peaked flukes. As it seemed to me at the time, such a grand embodiment of adoration of the gods was never beheld, even in Persia, the home of the fire worshippers. As Ptolemy Philopater uh, testified of the African elephant, I then testified of the whale, pronouncing him the most devout of all beings. For according to King Juba, the military elephants of antiquity often hailed the morning with their trunks uplifted in the profoundest silence. The chance comparison in this uh, chapter uh, between the whale and the elephant so far as, as, as some aspects of the tail of the one and the trunk of the other are concerned, should not uh, tend to place those two opposite organs on an equality, much less the creatures to which they respectively belong. For as the mightiest elephant is but a terrier to Leviathan, so compared with Leviathan's tail, his trunk is but the stalk of a lily. The most direful blow from the elephant's trunk were as the playful tap of a fan compared with the measureless crush and crash of the sperm whale's ponderous flukes, which in repeated instances have one after the other hurled entire boats with all their oars and crews into the air, very much as an Indian juggler tosses his balls. By the way, though all comparison in the, in the, in the general way of, in the way of general bulk between the whale and the elephant is preposterous, inasmuch as and in that... Uh, Particular, the elephant stands in much the same respect to the whale that a, a dog does to the elephant. Nevertheless, there are not wanting some points of curious similitude. Among these is the spout. It is well known that the elephant will often draw up water or dust in his trunk and then elevating it, jet it forth in a stream. The more I consider this mighty tale, the more do I deplore my inability to express it. At times, there are gestures in it which, though they would well grace the hand of man, remain wholly inexplicable. In an extensive herd, so remarkable occasionally are these mystic gestures that I, I have heard hunters who have declared them akin to Freemason signs and symbols. The whale, indeed, by these methods, intelligently conversed with the world. Nor are there wanting other motions of the whale in his general body, full of strangeness and unaccountable to his most experienced assailant. Dissect him how I may, then. I, 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 I but go skin deep. I know him not and never will. But if I know not even the tail of this whale, how understand his head? Much more how comprehend his face, when face he has none. Thou shalt see my back parts, my tail, he seems to say, but my face shall not be seen. But I cannot completely make out his back parts and hint what he will about his face. I say again, he has no face. <laughs>